This is Pastor Chadwick King. I hope you enjoy the ministry of God's Holy Word today provided by the Promise Center Media Ministry. Please share this lesson or sermon with your friends and family. And may the Lord bless you. You guys excited to be here today? You guys feeling good in the house? Amen. God is so good and and we feel the presence of the Lord. All day, God's been ministering. It's just been a wonderful, wonderful time. The Bible says this, that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of God's mouth. And so we want to open our heart to hear what God is speaking to us. I believe God can speak to you, not just us corporately, but you as an individual today. And so in, in layman's terms, that means we don't live by bread alone, or we don't live by coffee and cookies alone, which was really good today. But we live by the substance of the Word of God that gives us life and strength and health. I'm thankful for the Word of God. I'm thankful for the preached Word, the written Word. I'm thankful for a worship team that's more than just a band, but a worship team that leads us into the presence of God. Are you thankful for that today? Are you thankful for God touching lives? Amen. So really quickly, I'm just going to kind of give you my sermon title right away, and it's, it's real simple. It's, it's called Crossing Over, and we're going to talk about the disciples as they crossed over the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee, um, and there's some things today that you got to get over. you got to get over. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God wants you to get over some things, and so we're going to talk and look at this together. Matthew 14 and 22. If you have your, you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 14 and 22. And today I'm going to share with you, uh, toward the end of the message, like the key, the key to turning that page, that chapter, and going to the new chapter in your life. There's a key. There's one key hidden in this wonderful text, and it's Matthew 14, 22. It says this, immediately after this, which means immediately after Jesus feeds 5,000 and the 5,000 men plus women and children that were fed by the loaves and the fish, Jesus multiplied. They're trying to make him king. He says no. And so after this, Jesus insisted his disciples get back into the boat and cross over to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. He's going to send everybody home. This is not the plan. We're not going to stay here. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once, Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I'm here. Everyone say, take courage. courage. Say, Jesus is here. Jesus. Say it one more time like you mean it. Take courage. Take courage. Jesus is here. Jesus. Like, if Jesus is here, like, what do we have to fear? If Jesus is here, we can do anything. Why fear? Then Peter called him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. We'll skip the next couple verses where Peter sinks. You can read that later. Verse 32. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus... 
The news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area, and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. All their sick to be healed. Amen? All right, we're crossing over today. Someone's going to cross over to the other side. You maybe have been stuck in the middle of your trial, of your tempest, of your situation. I believe today God's going to give you grace to cross over. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts, we open our spirits, our minds to you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We love you, Lord. You're so worthy. Give us the anointing to speak and to hear your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. Now, I told this joke in the first two services, and nobody threw tomatoes at me, but I think it's because no one had tomatoes to throw at me. And I'm just going to tell the story like it is, and I want you to know to all those who are blonde, um, I love blonde people. And my dad was a blonde before he went gray, and my sister is blonde. So I, Josh, I love you. Tanya, to everybody, blonde, love you, love you guys. Lori, volunteer director, love, I know, I know. This is, so I got to tell this because it's a good setup for this awesome story of Jesus and this storm. But there were two blondes, one on one side of the lake, one on the other side of the lake. And one blonde yelled to the other blonde, she said, how do I get to the other side? And the other blonde said, you're already on the other side. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no tomatoes. All right. So we're getting to the other side. Turn your neighbor and say, we got to get to the other side. <laughs> Jesus is insisting you got to get to the other side. Before you get over, you got to get in. You got to get in the boat. And today, maybe you've been, you've been staring at the boat and you're not sure about this thing called faith and Christianity and trusting Jesus. I want to tell you today the greatest thing and the greatest journey you'll ever have is whenever you trust Jesus and you get in the boat and let Him set sail and, and push you off into your destiny. Let me tell you, some of us get stuck at the banks of contentment and religiosity. Don't stay there. Yes, Jesus did a miracle on these shores. Yes, 5,000 men, not including women and children, were fed at these shores. But Jesus said, we cannot stay here. We got to keep moving. There's more for you. And I want to tell you, we don't want to debase Christianity just to substance, just to take care of my basic needs. There's something in the spirit. In fact, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's power, it's joy, it's peace, love, and the Holy Spirit. That the kingdom is not just what you eat and what you drink and somehow God becoming your slot machine. I need a miracle. I need, I need to take care of my basic needs. God wants to elevate you. God wants to anoint you. God wants to put you on mission. We got to get in the boat and let God lead us forward. And everybody say amen. amen. Here's what's interesting. Jesus puts him in the boat, shoves him out, and he goes in to the mountain, and he begins to pray. He goes, and he's alone, the Bible says, and he prays till 3 AM. Now, here's what's important to understand. Number one, when Jesus shows up walking on the water, we're all like, awesome, I want to walk on water. Let me tell you this. If you're going to have dominion in the storm and dominion in the valley, you have to have devotion in the mountain. You'll never have dominion in the valley unless you have a devotion in the mountain. 
And you got to climb that, and you got to fight for that, and you got to get your alarm clock set 30 minutes early, and get the coffee pot set 30 minutes early, and wake up and crack that Bible open. And you need some time with Jesus, time with the Lord. You need some devotion time, because if you have your devotion in the mountain, you'll have dominion in the valley, and you'll be able to walk into storms. You'll be able to speak in the storms. Amen. God wants to, we want to be able to walk into people's lives and bring peace. Because when you have peace on the inside, you can bring peace to the outside. But if you don't have peace on the inside, you know what's going to happen? The chaos on the inside is going to become chaos on the outside. So we got to be able to get up into the mountains, above the storm, and be with the Lord. And whenever you walk with the Lord in that fashion, I'm going to tell you something. You're going to walk in dominion. Through the power of the Spirit. Turn your neighbor and say, we want to walk in dominion. Turn to him again. I want to walk in power. Amen. I love it. Now, here's what happens. Jesus pushes. He, he, he pushes the boat. And here's the boat. It's going. And everybody, everybody's like, we want to get across. But the problem is, is you're going to go at the Lord's pace. Because his pace is going to bring the right perspective. There's a perspective that you have to have that you can only get in the storm. We try to avoid storms, and yet Jesus allows storms in our life because they're going to bring the right perspective. You don't go through a storm. You have to grow through a storm. The problem is most of us get frustrated because we want to expedite the process. You've been there before? Have you ever been behind somebody who's driving slow? You know, you're, you're just like, come on, the, the world is moving faster. You're going in reverse. You're moving backwards. Time is standing still. What's happening? You know, and you're behind them, and you're like, oh. And then you're like, hopefully they don't go, oh, they're on Highway 12 going, oh, all right. And then you're driving, and you don't want to honk because you're the pastor. You can't honk at them. You don't know who they are. And then you're driving behind them, like, oh, Lord, help me. And they exit Stony Point. Come on, somebody. They turn left. They turn right on Sebastopol. Now you're praying they're not from the church, and they're working, they're working out at Fusion Fitness. And you're like, dear Lord, help me. I've been, anyways, that's a whole other story. We, we want to we push it through. We want to expedite. And sometimes God slows us down because there's something we need to see. There's a perspective that we need to have that we can only have when we're in the storm. There's a, there's a revelation that's in every situation. Every situation is going to create an opportunity for a new revelation of God in your life. And God has a way of slowing stuff down. And then whenever it's time to flip the page, he has a way of speeding things up. In fact, the Bible says they tarried in Jerusalem waiting for the promise of the Father. But then the Bible says they waited. It's like slow and come on, can we wait any longer? But then the Bible says suddenly there came a sound. When you wait and you're like, I can't take anymore, finally God will expedite the process when you've waited and you've gone through his process. So sometimes things feel real slow and then sometimes the gravity of God's grace pulls you and accelerates you to the other side. But there's a, there's a tipping point that you have to understand and there's a perspective that you've got to get. Now getting the right perspective is the key. Everybody say perspective. You gotta get the right perspective. I love perspective. I could talk all day on perspective, but let me share you share with you an amazing perspective. My wife has a perspective on life that's amazing. She's she's blessed. If I could think like her, I'd be awesome like her. So I'm trying to think more and more like my wife. And I'll give you an example. 
Came home the other day, this week actually. Come home, I look in my backyard, there's a, an out, outside table and outside chairs. And I'm like, my first question is, oh, did you buy this? And she says, yes, because I was hoping it was given to us. And the next thing, my next question, obviously, how much did it cost? And she says, well, went to Big Lots, was going to buy, you know, uh, a, water, a water hose, and, and they had this, and Chad, she doesn't call me Pastor Chad, I'm trying, still working on that, no, I'm just kidding, and she said, she said, she said, it's normally $500, I paid $180, so I really saved you $320. I'm like, hmm. So she's like, I'll take the 320 now and go shopping. That's just a beautiful, wonderful perspective. God bless her for that. I'm trying to learn how to think in those amazing terms. But perspective is an amazing thing, and, and God wants to give you the right perspective. Now, let's look at this. Number one, these guys, the, these disciples in this boat, man, this is not some foreign land to them. Like, most of these guys are fishermen, like, grew up on this lake, on this sea, and they're petrified. What's going on? They're not baristas. They're not truck drivers. They're not, you know, they're, what are they? They're, they're fishermen. And it's amazing how a storm will brew and a trial will ensue in the area that's most familiar to you. It's in the area that you're supposed to have it all together. It's in the area that you're supposed to know best about this. This is their backyard. This is what they've done. They know boats. They know the wind. They know the storms. But this one was different. This one was unique. And it had them petrified because they realized, one, we're Jesus. And two, this is bigger than us. And here's what happens. The Bible says that they saw him afar and they thought he was a ghost. They didn't know what to make of it. He's just, he's just walking on water. Anybody ever here walked on water before? One, two people. Man, I want to see that. Powerful. Okay. No, that, that'd be cool. I'm not talking about puddles. I'm talking about like you're in. Like, <laughs> I actually remember being a kid. And, and yeah, I remember being a kid, but more than that, I remember being a kid, and there was, our, my friend had a pool, and, and I remember going, okay, God, I'm going to have faith, and I was like, here we go, and stepped in, and it didn't work, but, but I do remember this, that I remember thinking I should have gotten my swimsuit before I tried that, and that was an, another deal, but anyways, the deal is this, is, is that the fear factor comes, and Peter sees, and the disciples see Jesus afar off, and this goes against your natural instinct because your natural instinct is, well, stay with the boat. Like, this is what we know. We, do, we know boats. We, this is the man-made boat that, that, that keeps us from going down. And yet, Peter's instinct was different. His instinct was, get out of the boat. Get out of what's comfortable. Get out of what you know. Because faith requires risk. You have to risk more to see more of God's glory. In fact, every miracle, and write this down, you'll hear me say this again and again, every miracle requires you embracing the, the ridiculous. At some point, if you're going to have a, 
this is amazing moment, you're going to first have a this is crazy moment. You can't have a this is amazing God without a this is crazy God. And he steps out of what's comfortable. Why? Because he wants to be close to Jesus. Now, let me tell you, there's a scientific term, very simple. It's called parallax. It's the way we see it. It's one of the many laws of our sight. And, and, and parallax is simply means this. It means that things that are closer to us seem bigger than things that are further away from us. So I see this big exit door, and I have my hand here. My hand is twice as big as that exit. Why? Because it's closer in proximity to me. That's why things that are really close to us, they feel so big, right? Sometimes a, like a person on the outside looks and we go, what's going on? It's not a big a deal. But to the person in the storm, that's all they see. It's not big, but it's, it's so in your face, it feels insurmountable. That's what's happened with the storm. The other problem is Jesus is so far away, he's this little bitty. And the storm is rocking the boat, and the storm is everywhere, and it feels like it's out of proportion. He feels like Jesus is way over there, and the storm is so big. And that's why a lot of it is your proximity. you got to get close to Jesus. you got to stay close to Jesus because that's where you have the proper perspective. That's why when Jesus was at the Last Supper and he's talking to his disciples, he says this, one of you is going to betray me. And, and Peter's down here and he goes, is it me? Next guy, is it me? Is it me? Is it me? On the other side of the table. Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Is it me? Proximity. But you know who the one who had his head on the Lord's chest? He looks up and he goes, which one is it? His perspective was different. John said, which one is it? He was so close to Jesus' heart, he knew it wasn't him. The right perspective. The further you get away, the further you are, the easier it is to go, is it me? What's wrong with me? What's going on? I don't understand. But the closer I get to Jesus, I go, I get it. It makes sense. Okay, I'm all right. And so sometimes, and usually our issue is proximity. That's why we got to draw near to God. The Bible says if we draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to us. You chase God, you take one step, he's going to take ten steps. He's crazy about you, and you got to stay close to Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, we got to stay close to Jesus. we got to stay close to Jesus. There's no, this is not a time to drift away. Come on, somebody. Are you guys awake? So I'll make sure. I'll make sure I'm in church here. This is not time to drift away. This is not time to walk away. This is not time to, to slip away. This is time to lean in, press in, break through. I, I gotta stay close to Jesus. I gotta stay close to Jesus. Amen. So this, is, this is important. Now, last Sunday we talked about. A, 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 a good life is like a good book. It has many chapters, and there's things that are just a chapter. There's situations, it's just a chapter. It doesn't have to last forever. You don't have to stay in this chapter forever. But how do I 
turn the page. How do we get out? We're stuck in the middle. They can't go forward. They can't go back. They can't go east. They can't go west. They can't go any. They're stuck right in the middle. And they're like, what is going on? We, we should have been able to do this in one hour. It, we've been here for five, six hours, and we're stuck. Anybody ever felt stuck before? How do I turn this page? How do I turn this page? And I'm going to share with you how to turn the page. Now, this was, is my sister Charity in here? She's right there. This, is, this was Charity's favorite book growing up. This, is, this was, when we told her to go, Charity, go read a book. This is what she pulled out. So. So she does good with like pictures and uh, stick figures. If you want to talk, it's just better to just do a stick figure. It's really the best way to communicate with her. Just kidding. I love her very much. But so it's the Where's, Where's Waldo book, right? Anybody read Where's Waldo? And your teacher says, go home and read a book. Fine. Where's Waldo? Chasing Waldo all over the place. And, and how, how the, the Where's Waldo works is you've got this picture, and it's like this crazy cacophony of picture noise, and it's just all kinds of stuff. And somewhere on the page, somewhere hidden, is Brother Waldo. Now, playing this about two weeks ago, three weeks ago with my nephew, what I realized is, man, we got... It's more than just finding him. You got a, he's got a, a book that he's holding. And it's kind of annoying, but I'll be honest with you. You've got to find the color on, that's missing. And it's, it's a long story. But the bottom line is you can't cheat it. You've got to know what he's holding. You can't just find him. You've got to know what he's got because that's going to be the key to the next page. Long story short is this, is that I can't flip the page until I find Waldo on the page. What we know is He's somewhere in here, but we got to find him so the page can flip. We have to find him. So what we discover is this. On every page of life, on every, in every trial, in every storm, you feel like, where's God? The first thing we do is say, where's God? Why doesn't God? And what we don't realize is he's there the whole time. He's there waiting to be found. In fact, the Bible says he would have passed them by. He wanted to see, are you looking for me or are you focusing on your storm? Someone had the wherewithal to look and say, he's got to be somewhere. At some point in your situation, you, you got to say, he's got to be somewhere. Paul said that I may find him, that I may reach and feel after him, that I may find him. He is with you. You got to know today, he is with you. You got to know today for sure, in my chaos, he's with me. Here's what happened. The apostle Paul was the church killer. His name was Saul. And on the way to Damascus, heaven opens up, God speaks, knocks him down, eyes are burning, he says, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus. He sees the picture on the front of the page. 
Paul's eyes are open. He's baptized. He becomes a Christian. He gets the scrolls. He gets the Torah. He gets the Old Testament. He starts looking through the pages. He goes to the book of Genesis. No longer does Paul just see Genesis. Now he sees Jesus in Genesis. He's there. He opens the Torah to the tabernacle. He sees a lamb. He goes, that's Jesus. He sees the priest. He goes, that's Jesus. He sees the tabernacle. That's Jesus. He sees the Holy of Holies. That's Jesus. The holy place. That Everywhere he looks, he begins to see Jesus has been on the pages of the scripture. He begins to understand. Paul even says this. This is what Paul says. From my mother's birth, I was separated under the gospel. He saw that even Jesus had his hand on him while he was just a young boy learning to be a rabbi, learning to be a Pharisee. He saw the handiwork of God in every season of his life. Jesus was there. And every page of life, Jesus was there. When he opened your eyes, when you see Jesus, something changes in you. You start seeing Jesus Everywhere. Everywhere. Let me tell you, my first car was a Mighty Max. Does it, be honest, does anybody really know what a Mighty Max is? Be honest, if you know, we got one. Well, you know because you're my sister. My goodness. We're not giving away free stuff up here, all right? You get a gift card, okay? No. She's always signing up as a second-time guest trying to get free stuff. Anyways, um, who's Barity Reese? Uh, okay. Anyways. So, like, I'm, I'm 16, super excited. My dad's like, got your car, son. <laughs> Dad, what is it? Mighty Max. Just the word mighty in Max. You're just like, oh, it's going to be amazing. It's the smallest truck you've ever seen in your life. Made by Mitsubishi, discontinued. It's a long story. Very embarrassing. But nonetheless, it cost $200, and it lasts me for about a year, year and a half. Okay, so I'm in my little Mighty Max. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, I guess I'm glad to just have four wheels. Here we go. And all of a sudden, I'm driving down the road, and I go, there's another Mighty Max. I've never even heard of a Mighty Max. But now I see a Mighty Max. And I look over, and there's another guy, and I'm, I'm like, I want to honk and be like, what's up? But my horn doesn't work, so I'm just like, <laughs> you know. So we're driving down the road, and I, see, I start seeing Mighty Maxes everywhere. And this is what happens. Whenever you touch and become familiar with something, you start seeing what you never saw before. You start seeing what was always there, but you didn't know was there. Have you ever done this before? You got a new car, or you, you, you bought that new hoodie, or you thought, man, nobody has this, and everybody at the mall has the same thing you're wearing. <laughs> I guess everybody else shops at Gap, too. All right. <laughs> and all of a sudden, you start seeing, like, oh, can't wear that to church anymore. Everybody else has it. Just kidding. That's not me. But anyways, your eyes are open, and all of a sudden, you start seeing what was always there, but you didn't know what was there. You didn't know it was there. What if right now where you are, there's something, no, there's someone there that you don't even realize is there right in your 
situation. What if Jesus is in your storm today? What if you are one cry? What if you are one declaration? What if you are one step from him getting in your boat, bringing peace into your life, and that chapter shifting, and now smooth waters all the way to the other side? What if you are one Messiah, one Jesus, one Christ, one step away from everything shifting in your life? You say, that's too good to be true. Can I tell you, Jesus does amazing things. Why? Because he doesn't have the answer. He is the answer. He doesn't have the answer. Let me explain. Jesus doesn't have healing. He is healing. He doesn't have deliverance. He is deliverance. He doesn't have salvation. He is salvation. He doesn't have the way. He is the way. He doesn't have the truth. He is the truth. Come on, somebody. The Bible says we are complete in Him. He is the answer to every question. He's the answer to every problem. You're trying to find the answer when you should be trying to find Jesus. And when you get Jesus, you got the answer. Come on, somebody. He's in your storm. He's in your situation. You're one step away. Do you believe that today? You see, the book of Revelation... This is, man, the book of Revelation is, it comes thundering. Anybody just read the book of Revelation for fun? You're all weird. You're all weird. I don't know who you are or why you're even here, but you're all strange. I only read it when I have to study it. I'm like, you know, four-headed beast. Anyways, uh, so the book of Revelation, there's a, there's a context to the book of Revelation that's so important. All of the apostles are dead except John. John the Revelator has now been exiled to the Isle of Patmos. The Isle of Patmos is just off the coast of Turkey, what was current day Turkey, uh, Ottoman Empire, right off the coast. And he's, he's stranded there with all other prisoners. He's been beat. He's been deformed. He's been dipped in hot oil. And now there he is. And he is in this place where the church has no idea, is God with us? Has the rapture taken place? What's going on? All the apostles are gone. Now John's gone. And so God takes John in the spirit on the Lord's day up into the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, finally the seventh heaven. But in the first, that third heaven, the first thing he sees, the first thing that God wants him to write down, the first thing he sees is the glory of Jesus Christ. How big he is. Eyes of fire. Out of his mouth, a two-edged sword. Golden, a golden girdle. Feet of fire like a, been in the furnace. The white robe. He see, hair like wool. We see this glorified Jesus. And then this is, what, this is what John says. He saw him walking among the candlesticks, which is the church. What God wanted the church to know is that Jesus is still in your midst. He's still with you. You're going, where's Paul? Where, where, where's Peter? Where's all the apostles? Now John's gone. 
Who do we look to? And this was the answer. Look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. He's still with you. He's still in your midst. Don't give up. So no matter what you face, no matter what challenge you face, can I tell you today, Jesus is with you. He said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. He's with you. He is the answer. He's the solution. He's the answer. He's hope. You know why? Because he is healing. He is deliverance. Let me give you one more thing. We'll close. In the Old Testament, the priest would have to sanctify himself. If he if he sanctified himself and went through all the, the, the rigmarole of the traditions, washed his hands, washed his feet, washed himself, put the oil on his thumbs and his, his big toes and his earlobes. I know it sounds crazy. The white robes of, and the linens. He goes through all that. And he touches anything neutral that isn't holy, he becomes neutral. If he touches anything unclean like a carcass of an animal, dead, dead animal, he becomes unclean. Anything he touches affects him. Now, Jesus, in the New Testament, he is the high priest walking in the earth. And whenever this woman with an issue of blood crawls and reaches to touch the hem of his garment, guess what? The Bible says this woman with the issue of blood, according to the law, she's unclean. It should have made him unclean. But instead of her affecting him, he affected her. And virtue flows out of him into her. Here's why. Because Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the life. When you get Jesus, you get it all. And he is there on every page of your life. The healing you need is in Jesus. The answer you need is in Jesus. The counsel, the wisdom you need is in Jesus. The grace you need is in Jesus. Everything you need is in him for every season and every page. He is there. Would you stand? As the musicians come, I mentioned this yesterday. This week I was studying and this concept just kind of rang loud. In the Old Testament, the man would bring a lamb to the priest. You did not go to the priest without the sacrifice. It had to be with you. The question was, do you have, do you have your sacrifice? Do you have your lamb? But here's what's interesting. When the man brought his lamb to the sacrifice, to the priest, the priest's job, according to the word of God, was to inspect and examine the lamb, not the man. A lot of you think that when you come into God's presence, God wants to examine you. You did this, you did that. You know what God examines? When you bring the lamb, he examines not the man, he examines the lamb. He starts looking at it and said, died on Calvary washed by the blood perfect no spots no blemish opened not his mouth went as a lamb that was dumb to the shears and the slaughter perfect the priest examines the lamb so you have to find your lamb stay with your lamb 
Because when it's all said and done, it's the Lamb that will make this possible and crossing over possible. So today I ask you this question. Do you have the Lamb? Is Jesus your Lamb? Is He your sacrifice? Is He your Savior today? He died for the world, but is He your Savior? Have you gotten the boat yet? Have you seen Him? He wants you to look. Would you close your eyes all across this place? If you're here today and you're stuck in a storm and you're ready to cross over, you're so tired of rowing and fighting and getting nowhere and you feel stuck, I want you to, no one's looking around. I want you just to raise your hand. No one's looking around. Eyes closed. I feel stuck. Stuck. Thank you, thank you. If you're here today and you need healing in your body, would you just raise your hand? I need healing in my body. Man, many hands, many hands. If you're here today and you're ready to make that first decision, I'm tired of being on the shores. I'm ready to jump in the boat my first time to make a decision to let Jesus lead and guide my life. Would you raise your hand? First time. Here, I'm ready. I'm ready to make a proclamation. Jesus, lead my life. Lead my life. Lead my life. Hands up. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Here's what I want you to do. If you raise your hand, I want you to come forward. If you need healing, I want you to come forward. If you're ready for God to do a miracle in your life or your heart, I want you to come forward. Our, our, our ministry team, our, our prayer team is going to come up. We're going to pray with you. God's about to do something. God is about to calm the storm, and he's about to bring peace, and you're about to cross over. It's over. It's done. He's there. He's with you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. For more information about who we are, we invite you to go to thepromisecenter.com. God bless you.